Good morning, everybody, and welcome to on, uh, on Texas Football's Coffee and Football, presented by BKCW Insurance. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every day by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, we are 24 hours away from game day. Sark, of course, had his press conference yesterday. What were some of y'all's key takeaways from that press conference? Oh, I think that the health situation overall uh, was probably the biggest piece, right? Um, you look at Longhorns right now, uh, you know, we know they're going to be without Quinn Ewers. We know now they're going to be without Jalen Catalan at least for another week. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian did have good things to say about Ethan Burke's progress, but progress is not necessarily back to where he needs to be. Uh, the other things that I would say there uh, that, that are interesting to me is, uh, as we know, we think that Quinn Ewers has been back throwing the ball on the sideline at the very least during practice this week. Uh, so all of that culminating right now, we're trying to figure out when his return might be, but clearly for that to be exceedingly meaningful, Texas needs to beat Kansas state tomorrow at 11 o'clock period. No doubt about it. And then the other news, uh, Jerry, I know you posted over on inside Texas.com. Uh, that Xavier Filthane, the safety, the five-star safety, I guess I should say, had a visitor uh, last night at his game. Yeah, we'd been reporting uh, that Blake Gidding was expected up for a game here for about three weeks since Texas offered. Uh, but, yeah, Blake Gidding was at the McKinney's game last night against Cross. Razzle's Corey Raymond, Florida, uh, uh, one of the secondary coaches um, at, at Florida. So it, it's interesting. I spoke with somebody close to Phil Same. Um Actually, Thursday morning, I guess today's Friday, Thursday morning, and plans still to go to USC this weekend, taking a look out there. But reality, nothing's changed based on um, from this person I talked to. They still think Florida, he'll play his college ball in the state of Florida or the state of Texas, which that means I think what he's inferring is Texas has the best chance to flip Phil Same if somebody's going to. I, you know, I think, again, the thing that Florida – that Florida's done so well is uh, they haven't like put unrealistic expectations on this season with their really, really good recruiting class. So these kids weren't committing to Florida's thinking, Hey, we're going to go from uh, six and seven to 10 and two and be in the SEC title game. It's been sold as a rebuild. Y'all be coming and be part of the rebuild. So Billy Napier and their staff have sold it the right way. They haven't, they didn't put unrealistic expectations on this season. With that being said, they need to go beat Arkansas Saturday. If they lose to a, a, what looks like a bad Arkansas team with what's coming after the rest of the schedule at, at LSU, at Missouri, and Florida State at home, then they have a chance to really crumble uh, down the stretch, and that can have an impact on their recruiting. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Dominic McKinley's not coming in this weekend, by the way, for those wondering about that. Um, I, I still think that. Uh, I think T.J. Lindsey's in communication with Texas more than Dominic McKinley is at this point. Uh, so we'll see what happens down the road with both of those guys. Um, but, it, it, you know, it, big weekend, guys. There's some big games this weekend in recruiting for – especially for A&M. Because if they lose to Ole Miss, it's going to get ugly. There's just not going to be any positive conversation in College Station around that program. That's when your 2024 recruiting – gets affected otherwise the haze in the barn for the team's winning it's more about the 25s and sixes but that it's a big game for AM, bobby this weekend hey, hey jerry it is and, and there's a number of games as you mentioned that are coming up this weekend texas 
Texas Tech beat TCU last night late. We should probably talk about that a little yeah. bit as well. Baron Morton made his return uh, and clearly led the – they're much better team with him than they were uh, uh, Jake Strong, for sure, right. the, the third-string quarterback. Um, the other thing I want to ask you, Elijah Lofton, uh, the uh, uh, tight end out of uh, Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, it looks like he is a maybe to come in this weekend or perhaps even a no now. Uh, what is the latest there? Yeah, I think uh, it's just one of those things where Texas is keeping him warm, going to keep recruiting him. Uh, Miami's fighting back on that uh, pretty hard, uh, as you would expect. Um, but uh, we'll see. Look, Texas is going to play a long game with these guys. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here. I mean, there's what I'm writing something today, this morning uh, for Inside Texas for 48 days until signing day. I mean, we're inside 50 days till the early signing period now. The thing about Texas is, I think the 11 a.m. start is not ideal. You're, if you're flying in a kid early Saturday morning, you're worried about your game. Your staff is getting to the stadium at 8.45 for an 11 a.m. kick. Last you want to be doing is sending somebody to the airport to pick up somebody, you know, worrying about that sort of thing. So um, it, don't be surprised if Texas doesn't push to get these out-of-state guys on campus after the regular season's over. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, that's a, that's the more traditional visit time frame, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of this we, the, we've pushed for, or people have seen people push for in-season visits, but used to not happen until December and January right. even uh, back in the day. And so I don't have a problem with it. By the way, I'm here in Austin this morning. Uh, downtown, I'm literally 6th Street is behind me. So I'm in the motherland, uh, Very feeling very excited. Uh, we've got the 3 o'clock live stream uh, at the co-op today and then i'll be uh in uh i think we're trying to figure out where i'm doing the post game from but I, it could be an interesting spot that i'll talk to you guys about uh but uh i'm i'm excited to be here uh, a little bit of buzz going around right now longhorns seven and one and among the tops in the in the big 12 standings jerry this game tomorrow and blake malik murphy is is so important in this game he cannot turn the ball over right yeah. not i mean one turnover okay you start getting multiple turnovers that's that's going to be too hard to come back from in my opinion uh then you start looking at some other aspects of it uh and i'm i'm of the opinion right now that uh you know texas has to play not necessarily a a, a completely clean game but they're going to have to play maybe their best game of the year combined with what they did against Alabama to come out with the win. I mean, not perfect. Alabama wasn't perfect, but they got to be tight. They, they got it. They got to play it tight and play it well. You agree I, with I that? Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. I think there's two things. Rod and I talked about it. We'll have more on the quarterback room on, on Texas football later today. Uh, show we recorded last night, but I think there's two keys to that, Bobby. Yeah. Beyond tur turnovers is number one, obviously. If you have multiple turnovers at home against a good team that can run the ball, you're in trouble. Uh, yep. The other thing is, I think first – I've said first down run defense. I'm going to say first down play call defense for PK is going to be interesting Saturday. I, I wonder how aggressive he's going to get on first downs because the reality of this game is – if Kansas State is going to feel like they're being successful and they have a game, they're in control of this game, they're going to be in third and three, third and four a lot. So I, I'm interested to see how 
aggressive PK is because I think first down run defense is huge, but that also goes into how aggressive you're going to call first downs defensively. I mean, uh, that's what's interesting to me. The other thing is if you watch, if, if people have watched a lot of Will Howard, if you can get him past progression one when he's in the pocket, it gets interesting. I'll just say that it gets interesting. A lot of his interceptions have obviously come like most quarterbacks, but he's not really a natural pocket guy. They've come on progressions two and three. If you go watch tape, um, so the longer he has to hang in the pocket where he doesn't use his feet, the more he's turned the ball over. Fingers crossed is my my, my thought on that. Texas is going to need to turn the ball over, create a couple of short fields if they can, or get something done in the return game. Yes. All right, guys. Well, Bobby, you mentioned the Texas Tech-TCU game, and we're going to talk about that real quick. That was a game where, of course, uh, T- or, I'm sorry, excuse me, Texas Tech went up pretty early in that one, 20-7 uh, to seven at the half. And then TCU started to battle back, but just not enough, and Texas Tech wins at home 35-28. to 28. But Baron Morton back, and they looked a lot better than uh, the previous couple of weeks. There's no doubt about it. No, and, and I think that's to be expected, right? I mean, my, my thought on it is this. I mean, Tech now, what, I think they're four and five. Is that right, Blake? What, what's their record on the season? Bring that back up real quick if you don't mind. I know I know they're three and three in conference. Um, I think they're four and five overall. Can they're you bring up the 12 standing? Yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're fighting to be bowl eligible just like TCU. I mean, TCU now is two and four in conference. I mean, yeah. they're they're going to go from a playoff. When's the last time a team played for the national championship and the next year they didn't make a bowl? Probably the University of Texas in yeah. two thousand. Yeah, you know that that is probably the last time. And so that's again one of the things we talk about on this all the freaking time. Excuse my language, is being a sustainable program. And the value of that. I mean, you cannot, you you just can't uh, sit here and um, emphasize that enough because what Texas fans want and what any any athletic department should want is something about sustainability. You don't want to go year to year. Oh no, here comes Georgia rolling in. Oh no, we can't handle this team, that team. You want every year to be consistent. That's why. That's what's been great frankly, about Nick Saban. It's not so much – it is partially what how many championships he's won, but the length of time that he was competitive, the length of time Mac Brown was highly competitive, okay? Those 10-year, that 10, 12-year run, Bobby Bowden, same thing, hyper-competitive for 15 years in a row, right? That's what Texas fans want, they want a program, not a one-hit wonder. TCU and Sonny Dykes right now – look nothing more than a one-hit wonder. And you, you can say why, whether it's the quarterback or they lost people to the NFL. I don't care. They're a one-hit wonder at this point, in my opinion. And, hey, and bring, it's, up, bring up Russ Hinkle's uh, uh, comment at 819, because I think it, this is so true. Yeah, so here's Bobby Blake. I think edges and outside linebackers are massive for Texas in this game uh, this week. Massive. Um, you know, look, 
Kansas State has as diverse of a running uh, QB run game as you'll see. Um, they run uh, even in a tech game when they caught tech off guard with Avery Johnson, they ran quarterback power out of empty. Um, they, they ran quarterback power with one back. I mean, and they're pulling BB, uh, they're pulling guards a lot. Um, they're they're going to try to get Avery Johnson outside, they're going to try to get him to the edge when he's in the game, they're going to try to get him to the hash mark. They want him to play hash mark and outside more so, even set it up inside and then bounce it outside. Um, I, I really think the edge play and outside linebacker play are massive. Uh, and the, the outside backers have a lot on their plate this week because they have they have Kansas State, which will run the ball outside. They have the QB run game, which is which Kansas State will run it outside. Then you have Ben Sanat. There's a lot on the plate of the outside backers this week for Texas, Bobby. Yeah, I, look, we, we both think, Gary, that the, the interior will be tested. The Texas interior will be tested, but really it's the outside the tackles that come the concern. Hopefully, and I'm going to say this, not only Anthony Hill and Mo Blackwell are helpful there, but somebody, a return of somebody like Ryan Watts yeah. in the run game could also be helpful on that because he could help set the edge as well and not let anything get too big. Uh, you're fighting – I mean, he's just such a bigger presence. And K-State goes with smaller receivers. They don't have huge receivers, so they tend to run people off as opposed to try to stock block them. Um, and so I, I think there's a, a combination there, Jerry. Yeah, no no doubt about it. And the other, the other thing there is, um, you know, I think what will be interesting is does – you know, we always talk about, okay, you pass, set up, run, run, you set up the pass. Does Kansas State run outside to try to soften Texas up a little bit early in this game? I, I think it's going to be such a great chess match. The other thing is, did anybody, uh, you know, what Ethan Burke, I thought there was an interesting comment about Sark about Ethan Burke yesterday. You know, yeah, he no, acted, yeah, he acted like he practiced. So um, is he actually really going to be available? How much, uh, you know, how much cat and mouse is Sark going to play with injuries this week? We'll find out. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, Baron Sorrell's got to have a big game. Baron Sorrell needs to have a big game. Justice Finkley's got to be have a big game against the run Saturday to ensure those outside linebackers have a little freedom to play against Kansas State because they're going to be stressed. Uh, Jerry, I want to ask you a question before we before we pull up this poll here in a second. But outside of Malik Murphy, what player do you think will be the biggest factor for Texas against Kansas State? Um, biggest factor. Um, I, I I think I know where the fans are going to go. I'm going to be a little different. Um, I I think I think Jalen Ford has to have his best game. In a, in a, um, against the team that has QB run threat possibility. I think Jalen Ford needs to have a huge game Saturday. Interesting answer. Well, the fans did go with Jonathan Brooks. Bobby, yeah. you posted this question on the community page of the On Texas Football YouTube page. Uh, for those that aren't aware of how to get there, you can just go to the On Texas Football page on YouTube, and then there's a community tab. You click it each week, Bobby posts a new question. But this week's was outside of Murphy, who's going to be the biggest factor. Jonathan Brooks with the overwhelming vote here. 66% said him, 8% Xavier Worthy, 13% said Sweat, 10% Ford, 3% other. 
are y'all surprised that Brooks was the the majority there? No, I think Jerry would have said that too. Uh, that that's where he was thinking that that maybe a, the majority of fans might go. The big piece for me, uh, the big piece for me in, in all of this is looking at what exactly Texas is uh, going to try to do, and and I think the run game has got to be a priority uh, for the Longhorns, and therefore Brooks makes a lot of sense. The one that I put in here that I'm surprised people didn't vote more for is Xavier Worthy. Um, Texas needs a breakout game from him. He can run away from people and this Kansas State defense. If he can get deep uh, on Kansas State, he and A.D. Mitchell both, they are X factors in a way uh, because I don't think Kansas State has that. They don't have the counter to that, Blake. They don't have the counter to that, Jerry. Uh, You know, they're going to, yes, they're going to try to control the clock, but if they can't control the clock, and Texas can hit them with some big plays. Look, I mean, I, I feel Texas has a couple of distinct advantages. They should be able to be okay in the run game, although, you know, we know from history Kansas State will run down seven guys in the blocks, box to kind of blunt that run game, right? Um, but the idea that they can beat them over the top if they do that, I think a big game from Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Adonai Mitchell – uh, those three, even JT Sanders, you know, that passing game, whatever they can lend uh, Malik Murphy a hand in, uh, would be great. For sure. All right, before we get to the questions, and there's still plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. One thing I wanted to bring up, guys, is I saw this comment in the chat. And, Jerry, we talked about the Michigan scandal, I think, on Wednesday, and we said every day it seems like something new is coming out. Yeah. So Tommy says new stuff coming out that Connor Stallions was paying recruits expenses during their unofficial visits. And once again, every day something new seems to trickle out of Michigan. I'm just telling you the NCA is gonna run out of show causes on this deal. I think the most interesting thing coming down with this, though, is how the Big Ten coaches and athletic directors are putting immense pressure. On uh, on the Big Ten to act now, swiftly now, uh, and this is kind of what I've been wondering. The NCA probably can't, but the Big Ten can. The and NCA can't act quick enough. Right, right. Well, and, 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 and like somebody else brought up, well, the team Michigan has a ninety-day period to respond, which takes you past the college football playoff at this point. The Big Ten is clear the ADs and the coaches are clearly saying this team does not deserve to have the an opportunity to play for a Big Ten championship or a national championship. That's what these guys are coming together to say in unison. That puts a ton of pressure on the Big Ten commissioner, a ton of pressure. Um, the NCAA, I think, you know, is doing what they can. Um, like I said, if there's a 90-day period where Michigan can respond – you know, what else are you going to do? The Big Ten can control what Michigan happens to Michigan right now during this season. They can put pressure on Michigan. The, the dude cheated this year. I mean, it, it's not like he cheated last year and we're talking, oh, well, they can change it. No, he cheated against, apparently, against Michigan State, a team they just played last week. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's Barry Switzer would be proud of Harbaugh. <laughs> great, great comment. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Like, I need to say, I want to say thank you uh, to our sponsor, real quick, of the Friday morning coffee and football. Uh, did your business have a frustrating insurance or employee benefits renewal? Most likely, you didn't hear from your agent all year. And then, right before it was time to renew, they delivered the bad news of a rate increase. When this happens, the agent is providing no value and you're stuck in what we call the insurance trap. BKCW takes you out of the insurance trap by providing you with actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting. Operating out of their headquarters in Austin, Texas and owned by UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan and execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the whole year, not just a one-time thing, so you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risks. BKCW already helps some of the most well-known construction companies, restaurant groups, breweries, and nonprofits in Central Texas escape what we call the insurance trap. And it all starts with a free risk assessment. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. We appreciate you guys for your sponsorship of Coffee and Football. Yes, I did see Wimby last night. Yes, 38 points, double-double. Yep, he's starting to – game will start slowing down for here for him now. He's played five – what's five, six regular season games. Game will start slowing down for him. Hey, he's, what did you he's think about Charles Barkley? Him. Say what? I, what did you think about Charles Barkley's comparison to of him to Bowl Bowl? Did you hear about – I mean, he's like I trying to keep that. Oh, Okay, yeah. He basically said, oh, we've seen a guy like this that can shoot from outside before, but he can't handle like this. Right. And it's yeah. San Antonio. Yeah. I, 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 we've never had – there's never been – and this doesn't mean he's going to be the best player ever, but we've never had anybody like Wimbenyama in basketball. We've never had a guy that's 7'4", um, that handles the ball. He's got to get lower. He's going to – they're going to bully him a little bit because he is – he, he, he hasn't even started to really physically mature yet. I mean, just think about when Kevin Durant was in, in college and then his first year in the NBA, he scored it better, but he, he you could bully him a little bit off his spots, um, take the ball from him a little bit easier, um, stress him out a little bit with ball in hand. But uh, Wimby, we've just never seen anything like this. And I just, I just, my hope is the guy stays healthy so we can see. And I'm not saying he is. That was my hope with KD too. The guys that are just tall, skinny, um, you just, you know, you've seen Chet Holmgren with the foot issue already. I just hope this guy stays healthy for a decade to see really what he becomes. Because if, if we get that opportunity, I think it's going to be scary. Well, here's the other thing I would say, and, and I want to mention this because we're talking about San Antonio and their great player, Dallas and the Texas, or Texas Rangers, uh, mid cities. Uh, did y'all see Corey Seager's response to the question about why the Dodgers let him go? No, no, he didn't have one. Oh, <laughs> basically, he silent and went to the next question. Yeah, and you know, that dude he bowled out. I mean, he's you know, there's a reason the Rangers are world champs. And, um, anyways, and not, we don't talk a lot about pro sports here, right. but I think that what's interesting right now, there are some interesting people starting to develop in uh, major league sports across the state. Uh, C.J. Stroud right now for the Texans yep. is looking like a future guy for them too. Uh, yep. So there, there's a 
it's an interesting mix, I think, right now. For sure. I have before we get to the questions, I do want to read this real quick. Young Joe 91 says, Hook 'em horns. I'm looking for a win tomorrow to celebrate my birthday. Turn 32 today, and that's all I want. So win tomorrow. So happy birthday, young Joe 91. Thank you for tuning in on your birthday. I'm I guessing you were born in 91. That's 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 why you have young Joe 91. <laughs> I get it. Now we got a super chat from Jay Lee. He says, if you didn't watch the game and the first set you heard was that Texas had zero turnovers, what would be your first thought about what the result was? Texas would – I'm not saying – I wouldn't say Texas for sure won, but I would say, um, you know, they the ESPN percentage-wise thing would probably have them in the 60s, <laughs> you know? Yeah I, mean, I, yeah, I agree with you, Jerry. I, I was thinking – like, I, my final score prediction, I guess we're going to give those at some point today – on the show here, not just me, but Blake, you and uh, Jerry as well. I went with 24-23 Texas. I think this is going to be a tight game um, and needs to be a tight game in some ways for Texas to win. I don't I don't see Texas running away with it, right, with a backup quarterback. And I see Kansas State saying, okay, we have the veteran quarterback. We're going to play it a little tight, right, to try to keep it um, in, in within range and then rely on our guys to win when it matters. Um if, if Texas has no turnovers, 27 to 20 Texas, something like that, I don't expect this big offensive explosion from Texas. And I don't think I don't think fans should either. But uh, that's kind of where I come out on it. I'm I look, I'm jazzed about this game because I think it's getting down to Texas is in. And Sark, you heard this yesterday in his uh, press conference, Jerry. Sark is getting down to the fact where we're seven and one. All this stuff that we've talked about. It's now on the table, yeah. right? It's time to put up or shut up. Yeah. And I think the fans, and I feel that too. It's enough talk. It's time. I mean, this is, my, you know, my dad, for lack of a better term, used to call it nut cutting time, yeah. right? This is, this is when we either figure it out or we don't. And I think uh, people are ready to see where exactly Texas comes out. I mean, look, here's the reality too, I think, on this is, Sark, the staff, the staff knows this. If they win this game, they are heavy favorites from here on out. Heavy favorites. Not favorites, heavy favorites. That mean you don't have tough games on the road, but you're clearly a better football team than TCU. You're a better football team than Iowa State. You're a better football team than Texas Tech. This is the game left where you say, these guys are really actually good. I mean, and they can – this is the team that you hate to play against because – with this new running clock rule, if they have two long drives against you, you're going to feel like the game is, is, is 30 minutes. I mean, you're going to feel like, wow, this is the shortest game of all time, and you feel the pressure offensively because you know you're getting your possessions cut. Um, so that that th- this is it. I mean, Texas knows. I mean, they're not. it's not like the staff sitting in there looking ahead. But they're look, people, they've been looking at their schedule. They watch these other teams. They're seeing them on tape. As they scout other, as they scout weekly opponents, they know who's who's the best team left on the schedule. They know teams they should beat left on the schedule. Um, Texas knows the Texas staff knows what's up this week. If they win this game, they're heavy favorites the rest of the way. And if they win this game, eleven and one becomes a reality. I really think if they win this game. All right, guys. This next question is from King Me. He says, are y'all surprised that there are only four FBS teams averaging 30-plus points a game and that Texas is one of them? 
Blake, I think it's time. We, we may need to look back now, see now that we've had – this will be after week 10 this week. See what the uh, plays per game is. What the, What's this running clock rule has actually done to college football this year? I haven't had time to, like, sit there and go look it up. We might have some calm people in the chat that can bring it up quickly. But uh, we're, it, it's, we're getting to that point where let's we need to take a look at this now. We've had, It's not just a small sample size at the beginning of the season. These teams are adapting to the rule. They're using the rule, that the, the running clock rule, to their advantage when they can. Um, I, I think we're seeing something here in college football this year. And it may be minor, but mine, minor things become major things late in the season. This is where somebody like a, a guy that's really a what I would call a um, strategist uh, in in someone like uh, 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 Mike Gundy really yep. plays a value. I, I will say that more than there, I, I think the stat that the, the guy said is averaging more than thirty points a game. There are at least, I mean, there are. 40 teams right now averaging or 50 teams averaging 30 points a game. So I don't know exactly what stat he was quoting there. Well, I think, I think he, he misworded it, Bobby. So there are only four teams to record 30 plus points per game or a game in every, every game. game this season. Yeah, yes, that makes Florida, sense. Yeah. I saw Florida, the word. I saw the average. Yeah. I saw average there. Um, Look, I, I think it shows consistency. Um, and a, a number of these games, uh, like the Wyoming game, I didn't think Texas played particularly well on offense. I didn't think they played particularly well on offense against Houston uh, for much of the game. Uh, but, you know, they've, they've shown, and, and this goes back to Sark and his term, he likes to use the term versatile. And I think that's, it's weird. I, I have an aversion to the term versatile because I, I want a team to be dominant, right? and then lean on that and then grow from there. But Sark's not wrong. I mean, he's beating people throwing the ball. He's beating people running the ball. He's beating people in special teams. He's beating people on defense. Out of seven wins, you've beaten teams three or four different ways. So uh, there is some value there, and that goes back to overall talent level somewhat. Uh, but, look, they just got to – they score 30 in this game, I think they win. I'll put it that way. All right, guys, let's move on to the next question here, uh, which is from the Green Lantern. He says, what is better for the program, a New Year's Day bowl win or a semifinal playoff loss? Oh, I think I, – I don't know. It, it depends on what the playoff loss looks like. Like, you don't want to go and get blown out like PCU did in the national championship game. Because, like, Jerry, I don't know what you think, but that loss to, to TCU in the national championship game, uh, that did not do them any favors in recruiting. They, they look like they didn't belong on the field. And when you don't look like you belong on the field, never a good day. Okay? That means you're too far away. Uh, as far as the New Year's Day Bowl, if you beat Tulane, what does it matter? Now, if you go and beat USC or, I don't know, Ohio State or some team that doesn't barely make it, I, I think it all depends. I, I, I think that's – I wish I could, you know, throw everything out there, but – no hypothetical is, is perfect. No, I mean, look, there, here's the thing. It, the, 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 back, the tough thing for TCU last year, it was really tough. I mean, I know Texas fans are like, who cares? But, it, it, you know, look, I'm just talking about it's tough. It's tough to have the season they did. And then the only thing that's remembered outside of TCU 
is that you lost 65-7 in a national championship game. Nobody outside of TCU fan base is really going to remember the season they had. And to Bobby's point, in recruiting, these I guarantee you this, not a lot of recruits around the country watch TCU play a home game in, during the regular season on TV. So the only thing they saw from TCU, if you're a recruit in Virginia or Florida or wherever, they saw 65-7 and they were laughing with their buddies in text messages. Saying, oh, my God, what an ass kick. And these guys shouldn't even be in this game. Hey, I've got to say this. This is this is something that reminds me of when I was in school. In 1990, Texas had the whatever it takes tour where Texas ended up playing Miami in the Cotton Bowl. Texas had a great regular season, right? I think they Longhorns ended up like 10-1-1, and something like that. At a time when A&M and Jackie Sherrill and R.C. Slocum were really kind of dominating recruiting in the state of Texas. They were getting the best, best players. Well, Texas had a great season had a chance to catapult themselves into that next level of consideration. And they went to the cotton pole and got embarrassed 46 to three. Okay. That cut all the wind in the sails of Longhorn recruiting. Yeah. Okay. I, that's what happened to TCU in large part, except on an even grander basis and add into that fact, TCU isn't Texas. So they don't have the, the latitude that, that a team like Texas and a, a story program does. So I completely agree that those lopsided losses can really matter if they're on this national stage where everybody's watching. And believe me, everybody watched that loss to Miami. It was the talking point of college football for days. Uh, and furthermore, everybody saw that embarrassment uh, on uh, uh, or that embarrassment of TCU versus Jordan. Hey, and by the way, it didn't it didn't hurt Bob Stoops a lot, but that loss to USC in the national title, it, it was enough. It hurt them enough. They came back and had played for national title again, but don't get me wrong, but the perception changed a little bit in that USC national championship game. I completely agree. They were no longer this defensive team that could stick with everybody that also had the, that it, it, the, the uh, bloom went off the rose. Yeah, in that game, and and that's what really one of the things that opened up Texas to be the dominant team in the league for the next five years. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hi guys, you're watching Coffee and Football presented by BKCW Insurance. And this next question is from Archmania. He says, have we talked about Bedlam? Who should Texas fans root for and why? Oh, you're cheering, you're cheering for Mike Gundy. Now make no mistake about it. Look, the whole thing was... You either wanted Oklahoma to go undefeated and get back 11-1 and one and beat them as an undefeated team just so you could maximize college football playoff opportunities. But now that they lost, I mean, yeah, you want you don't want Mike Gundy to go 3-16 and 16 against OU. You want him to go 4-15. and 15. Um, and, and you want you want Oklahoma State to win that football game and put another loss on Oklahoma now because Oklahoma, um, you know, look, they – 
they, they were on a roll, man. They had a lot of fun on social media, and nothing stops that social media fun like back-to-back losses on the road to Kansas and Oklahoma State. I got to say this. So whoever wins this game is almost assuredly in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, Oklahoma State wins this. They absolutely have nobody. that They don't play anybody with a winning record in the Big 12 the rest of the way. Okay. So they're going to get into the Big 12 championship with one loss. Oklahoma State will, unless they just crater somehow, which I don't see happening. Oklahoma still has West Virginia at home, BYU on the road, which doesn't sound uh, like much, but it actually is. And then they also have TCU at home. So Oklahoma has a couple more uh, yeah. obstacles in the road, but not as many as, as this, not as not as few as Oklahoma State. The winner of this game is absolutely, uh, I think, one of the two teams that's going to be in the Big 12 championship, though, between yeah. those two. I would rather see Oklahoma State win it, of course, because, you know what, I graduated from Texas and I don't like Oklahoma. Hey, don't, don't we really – uh, uh, teams can slip up. But the winners of both of these games this weekend, I think are headed to the Big 12 championship game. I, I, I mean, look, Kansas State still has at Kansas and Iowa State at home. Uh, but they're going to run all over Kansas, even though it's at Kansas. It's a short trip. They're going to run all over Kansas. Kansas can't stop the run. Um, but I think the winners of these these, these games this weekend, are, are that's who's going to represent the Big 12 in the championship game. I agree with you. Uh, before we get into some Texas-specific team stuff, let's talk about recruiting for a minute. we got a few recruiting questions. This first one from E. Kim. He says, Jerry, is there any need for concern about Jared Gibson from Eric Nolene's article? Look, I mean, I, I think the uh, it's a maybe he makes an official visit to Florida. He's supposed to be in Austin tomorrow. We'll see. Um, yeah, no. Look, I, I think the only reason the only reason to get concerned is if he actually takes an official visit to Florida. Um, then that would be that would be a Cedric Baxter never took the official visit. Cedric Baxter went to FSU twice last year uh, after we after he's committed to Texas. Um, but I think if you schedule an official visit, that's a little different thing. It, not schedule. If you actually follow through on an official visit, um, that, that's a little bit different. We'll see We'll see what happens, though. See what happens if he comes to uh, town this weekend. And then this next question. Sorry, guys. I put it in full screen for a second. From Antoine. He says, is, is Bryson oh, yeah. the top priority on the board for offensive line in 25? I don't know if he's a top priority. Michael Fasusi at tackles really, really good. But – I'll say this, um, Texas loves uh, Byron Washington, the DeSoto 6'7", 390-pound offensive guard prospect who won't play at 390 pounds. He'll play at about 365, 360 one day. But, uh, yeah, I know Texas would accept the commitment from him right now, and, and you can't say that about many guys on the offensive line. And then Daniel Kinnaman uh, wants to talk about defensive tackle recruiting for a second. He said, Jerry, if you had to pick between Lindsey and McKinley, who do you feel is the better fit for Texas? I think uh, I would go with TJ Lindsey because I think uh, being at IMG this year, um, you know, he hasn't gone out and been dominant, but it's it's hard to be on that team. But I think it's been good for him. Uh, I spoke with somebody at IMG last week. Um, when I was on the road in Dallas driving around, and they thought he's responded well because that's kind of my question is uh, how do kids respond? Because kids that don't do, fare well at IMG traditionally are just busts in college if you look at some highly ranked guys. Guys that come in 
and understand what it's all about, put in the work or coachable, uh, because you do have to kind of manage your own time there a little bit. It's it's somewhat like a college environment. The guys that come in and get it, work at it, and, and start excelling like in year one there tend to be pretty good players at the next level. And TJ Lindsay's passed that test for me. So it's not, you know, that was a big one for him with the talent he's got. Uh, but I also think he's an early graduate. He's a December high school graduate. Don McKinley is not. Uh, so I think that puts him way ahead. I think Don McKinley physically has got higher upside uh, than a lot of guys, but you kind of wonder, okay, how long is it going to take him to get there? So he's a five-star ranked guy that's not going to – he's not going to be Tommy Harris as an impact defensive lineman. It's going to take him a little bit of time. I have one more recruiting question for you, Jerry. This one from Silver Fox. He says, what's the ceiling for the 2024 recruiting class? What do you feel their final ranking will be? Uh, the, the ceiling for the class ranking, I would say the ceiling is three. Uh, I think Georgia – uh, is going to lock down one. I think Ohio State's a good bet to, uh, to end up two. Um, so I think three down to seven is pretty much still in the balance. Um, the interesting thing there is, you know, Texas sitting going to sit there and battle Florida on a couple of their DB commits. One's five-star Xavier Philsame. The other's four-star Wardell Mack. Florida's ahead of Texas in the recruiting rankings. If you flip Xavier feels same. You did. You're essentially flipping your spot with those guys at the end of the day, considering you're going to add more into your class. Uh, so I, I think one and two are kind of spoken for right now. Three through seven is pretty much the battle. And I think Texas could finish as high as three, uh, as low as seven or eight. Hi right, guys, we have a super chat here from D Herring Five. Uh, going back to Bedlam once again, he says we got lucky to not play Gundy this year. That's going to change, isn't it? Boy, I wish they would have caught him early. Yeah, I wish Texas would have caught him in or in early October or late September, like a year ago, because Texas would have drummed them. Uh, they they've kind of caught their snap and, and played well of late. Uh, they went with Alan Bowman, the the quarterback transfer via not only Texas Tech but also Michigan. Uh, Ollie Gordon has really stepped up in the running game. Uh, Jerry's mentioned this before, but while Jonathan Brooks and Taj Brooks. Uh, from Texas Tech have been the two talk guys talked about um, in the Big 12. Uh, Ollie Gordon could take this rushing title and run away with it uh, if he keeps putting up 250-yard games uh, for, for Oklahoma State. That's really been the difference. Uh, they've, they've been good enough on defense. They've been smart on defense. Uh, but, you know, I – Look, I don't. I think Texas would be would beat Oklahoma State right now. I really do. I think they'd be able to stop the run and force Oklahoma State to pass. Um, but you know, they they may or may not get their chance, and it depends on this weekend. I can't I can't tell you guys how big this is. It's, I mean, my my take on this weekend is it's time for Texas to take the next step, even with a backup quarterback. That that's I mean, look at it. If you had to say Texas was going to play a backup quarterback against K-State, the defending Big 12 champs, you would say, wow, Texas is going to be at a severe disadvantage. If, if Texas can uh, get into this game, let their defensive tackles really try to control or, or push the middle and make Will Howard and Avery Johnson uncomfortable, that's, that is the, that's what needs to happen. Texas needs to go out and win this game. All right, guys. Well, let's get into some team-specific 
uh, questions right here on Coffee and Football presented by BKCW Insurance. And Pete in Florida says, are we certain that this is Quinn's last season? He most likely won't be a first-round pick. And thank you, Pete, for the super chat. Yeah, it's uh, it's his last season, and I'm not sure I agree with that. We'll see. It, it just uh, the, the Pro sports drafts different than our brains. Where did Will Levis go? He dropped to the what? second. Okay. You think you think that Quinn Ewers isn't as good as him? Yeah. I am I'm just I'm just telling you, he's better than Will Levis was at the same time. Has as much talent, if not more. Um it, they the to Jerry's point, they are looking at it so differently than you and I do from oh, he needs more seasoning, or he's not this, or he does that. They need to know if he can make the throws. That's all they care about. Can he run the offense and make the big throws? They think they can teach him everything else um, or hide it. Um, and so, I, look, my, my take on it is, is is Quinn will be a – I don't know if he'll be a first-round pick. I, I think that may be asking too much given the tape he's put out there at this point. But do I think he's going to be picked in an, at a level where he's likely going to go pro this after this year? I absolutely do. He put up 78, 79% completion rate in the big in Big 12 play this year. I mean, it's, it's good enough. Okay. And then speaking of Quinn Ewers, this next question from Ashton Holloman, uh, if I can find it here. And apparently I lost it. But he said <laughs> he he's asking, do we think that Ewers oh here it is. Ewers is done for the season. I can't say Jerry. that. I can't say that. <clears throat> I, I definitely can't say that. He was, uh, I can tell you guys this, he was lightly throwing that ball around this week in Austin on the practice field. There you go. And then we have a super chat from Tyler Ruiz. He says, good morning from Orlando International Airport. I will touch down in Austin in three hours. Hook them. I'm already here, Tyler. Literally, Sixth Street is in the back back here. Driscoll Hotel is uh, across the street from me. Uh, I'm here waiting on you. Uh, let's let's have it. <laughs> okay, R. Charnell. He says the line has moved to three and a half. Texas, of course, a favorite. It opened with the Horns as a touchdown favorite. Similar movement as we saw in the OU game. Vegas knows something. I hope these guys are ready. I, did it open at seven? Did it open that higher? Was I it, like it open at five, five and a half? Yeah. I thought it was six. Okay. okay. I mean, look, directionally, though, Jerry, we're talking about the same thing, and he's right. Yeah. Uh, about the, the R. Charnel's right about this. Um, I, I think they know the fact that, I mean, what do they not know is that Malik Murphy is start, the starting quarterback for the University of Texas. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised Texas was favored in this game. I mean, y'all, I don't. I, I wouldn't necessarily – I'm picking Texas 24-23, and I think that's an upset based on the fact that the last two games, Kansas State has beaten – I mean, Kansas State beat Houston 41 to nothing. okay? Now, that's on the road in Manhattan. They're a significantly better team. That same Houston team, Texas beat 31-24 at Houston. Yes, these guys, you know, well, there's no – can't really – well, they call it transitory scoring. You can't compare how one team beat another, et cetera. But K-State's wiping the floor with lesser teams, okay, that Texas hasn't wiped the floor with. Now, they wiped the floor with BYU last week. But that's my point. Uh, K-State's doing it at a different level. 
I, I'm, I'm surprised by the spread as well, but I, there's something about this game. Um, you know, two or three games a year, Texas tends to step up. Um, I'm counting this game to be one of those games. I think they as a team know that this is their chance. Uh, I get the sense of, of listening to Steve Sarkeesian, some things I've heard behind the scenes, um, and uh, hopeful that that comes to, comes to pass on Saturday. Right, Seth Austin says, you guys are acting like Georgia's coming to town as the week goes on. If Quinn was playing, are you feeling less doom and gloom? Absolutely. It's not, it's not about the of, it's not about the name of the quarterback. It's about the experience of the quarterback. Just to be clear, it's not about a name. It's about experience in a game like this. I mean, that's – look, I mean, would Alabama be better suited to play Texas today than they were game two with Jalen Milrow? Yes. The answer is yes. I mean, so that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about the name of the quarterback. We're talking about the experience of the quarterback. And that is – that does matter in, in tight games against when talent becomes neutralized for young quarterbacks. Hey, Malik goes out and plays a great game. We'll tip our hat and say, great job, man. I mean, we'll say you did what Jalen Milrow couldn't do against Texas, against Texas, right? But there's a difference. Alabama would rather play Texas today with Jalen Milrow having eight starts than start two. No doubt. I, I, I agree with that. I think that I would also say this. We don't think they're Georgia or else I, I wouldn't pick Texas to beat Georgia. Yeah, today. I mean, I mean so, so let's, let's be clear. I mean, that you know, we're not acting like they are. I do think they have a very strong offense right now. They haven't been tested on defense, really. Um, I agree. So that's the that's the category. I, I do think they're going to score at least in the twenties against Texas. I, I don't know that their defense has been challenged as much as what Texas could be able to do. And I do think that Steve Sarkeesian has looked at this game as kind of that that pinpoint of okay this launches us into the second or the last quarter of the season and it is the first 335 defense that he's been preparing for since day one by the way so all of that stuff that that we've seen to this point now he's actually been preparing for it so if they throw it at him it's not going to be it's not going to be the same that's one of the things that rod's been saying as well guys um is that texas is actually finally preparing for this game so now we're going to see how they're going to attack it I think what's so interesting, too, look, guys, about Texas' schedule so far, they've only played one team that's good on defense the whole season. And so is Kansas State going to be the second-best defensive team they've played this year? On paper, are they? I mean, they're total Ds ahead of Oklahoma, but are they better than Brent Venables? I don't know. Brent Venables prepared for Texas for six months, right? But I mean, if you, just, I'm just going to read this to you now. Rice 106 in total defense, Wyoming 80, Baylor 110, Kansas 108, OU 52, U of H 102, BYU 82. Uh, Texas has not played a good schedule against defensive teams this year. They're not really battle-tested offense against really good defenses. They played one. That's Alabama. So we'll let's see how they do. Uh, here's an interesting question from Grant Thompson. What over under 26.5 passing attempts from Malik tomorrow? Over, and that's a loss. Yes, I agree. I agree. Over, and that's a loss. Um, that's my, my initial take. I'm with you on that one. 
right, this next question uh, is going to be from Jason. And Jason says, has Texas made the incremental improvement week over week that championship programs do? You know, Sark went into to detail about this yesterday in his press conference, and I don't know that they have. I mean, I, I, I see teams like Kansas State, uh, like Kansas, uh, like Oklahoma State um, have made that incremental improvement. I don't know that they have. Um, of course, they came out of came out of the shoot really hot, though, with the win at, at Alabama. Right. So it's a little bit different, um, but it's also hard to do it now if you have your backup quarterback. Uh, that sort of stuff. I, I have seen the receivers improve this year over time, fewer drop passes overall. Uh, you've seen the uh, secondary, I think, has been a, a mismatch. I, I don't like, I don't think they've necessarily improved. You know, I, I, there's a, there are parts of that where I would question that. I think that's a fair, legitimate question. And one of the concerns I have going into this game is I haven't seen them incrementally improved they haven't tightened up on defense they've actually become more susceptible on defense in my opinion okay part of that could be because of of injuries though catalan ethan burke okay ryan from shiner wants to know how does k-state secondary match up with the texas passing game I, i look i think that's the uh on paper is the weakness of their defense they lost some really good players to the nfl last year they lost they also lost a good edge player that they just hard for kansas state to replace in one year um but uh i look i think texas has an advantage there bobby mentioned xavier worthy i think they have several matchups there, I think JT Sanders against the the Kansas State linebackers or is a positive matchup for Texas. Uh, so I, I think Texas will win those matchups uh, across the board uh, as far as having better than what they're going to face uh, against Kansas State. I mean, Will Lee's a tall corner. Um, you know, we had their, their the guy that covers them on yesterday. He's not Brent, but he's a tall corner. He's got some size. Outside of him, they lack a little size, I think, from what they want to have. But, yeah, I think Texas has a clear advantage there um, against the uh, K-State secondary. But the question there is it really comes down to, um, you know, how what, what Sark is going to do offensively. He's a, look, he wants to throw the ball, right? I mean, uh, but in this game, I, I think the interesting chess, chess match part of this game will be Texas knows what Kansas State's going to come try to do against them. Um, and do you just turn around and do it to Kansas State, kind of like Oklahoma State did? I, I, is the question for me. Is um, I, I, if it's me, I know it's not Sark's DNA uh, unless he really has to. But my goal is to run it forty-five times on Kansas State tomorrow. Because if I run it forty-five times on Kansas State tomorrow, one, I'm having success with sustained drives. Two, I'm keeping their run game off the field against me. Um, and three, then it comes down to, to, to us punching the ball in, in the red zone. Because if we've run it 45 times, we're, we are controlling the clock, we're controlling the game, and what means we're also having trips in the red zone. You're not running it that many times without trips in the red zone. Then, hey, are you punching it in or not? Hey, I want to I say this. A lot of people have talked about red zone, and they've asked, what is Paul Christ's involvement in the Texas red zone offense, the, the former Wisconsin head coach? Here's one thing that's not involved in it, okay? He didn't bring five offensive linemen that are going to play in the NFL with him from Wisconsin, okay? I mean, look, 
Wisconsin and Paul Christ have been the best offensive line group on the whole in college football for a number of years. Um, those guys didn't come with him. Uh, Texas still is young, uh, relatively speaking. They've got they're starting a sophomore at guard, a sophomore at, at, at both guards, really. Uh, they have an undersized center, um, and so and a sophomore at left tackle. Uh, I, I think that there are some things that they can do schematically that they're going to roll out there. But, you know, you can't – Wisconsin centers, I think the last six of them have played in the NFL. So just remember that when you think about, you know, that that kind of stuff. Uh, Zane Petty asking, Cole Hudson play left guard? We're going to find out this week, I think. I hope so. I hope I so because they need to move the football. Yep. They need to move the football on the ground, Gary. Yep. And that, that requires moving – actually moving people not just shielding people yeah well and the other the other thing is look here's the thing this is my opinion on this game if kansas state gets 50 rushing attempts and has 35 minutes time of possession they're going to walk off the field with with arms up saturday that's my opinion i agree all right bobby before we move on i'm gonna let you tell everybody about bkcw insurance Yeah, I want to say thanks again to them. Uh, BK Insurance takes you out of the insurance trap by providing you with actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting for your business. Operating out of their headquarters in Austin and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. Go to BKCW or send an email to info at BKCW to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. Uh, once again, that's BKCW.com. Uh, they do this. Uh, they've done done this. And the great thing about them, again, is they're not just a one-hit wonder. They don't come to you at the end of the year and say, okay, do this. They actually engage with you and try to help your business uh, grow into itself and and your needs while also helping you cut costs. That's bkcw.com. And we want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. And Jerry, one of the things that we forgot to hit on at the beginning of the show is Texas got a commitment yesterday. Yeah. Uh, not, Not in football before everyone gets super excited, but in basketball. So tell everybody about Nick Cody. Huge, uh, huge commitment for Texas. I mean, look, it was Brandon Chappelle, the young assistant, young, 10 years college uh, experience, but he's now at the big boy level at Texas, right? His first big national recruiting win, obviously Frank Hay, uh, Rodney Terry, it's all staff recruitments, but he he was the uh, primary recruiter, Nick Cody, but 45-ranked prospect in the country, six, eight and a half, uh, a skilled power forward, that is really good with the ball, really good field. You don't see many six, eight and a half power forwards that have a floater in their game. He has a little bit of a floater in his game, which I think really works well at the college level. I think he's a tremendous prospect as a college stretch four that's skilled enough. The main thing with him to know is he's a perfect fit for what Texas does offensively. Um, they play off the elbows. If you watch, if you just go watch what Texas does with Dylan DeSue, they play off the elbows. They get him in the post. They let him face up. They get him in a position. They'll try to get to that weak side, uh, two-man game. He's uh, Nick Cody's a guy who can excel in that, really excell in that. He, he's similar to Disu. He's better with the ball, more athletic. 
Um, there's difference. I think these two's a little better back to the basket naturally, but he's a really good fit in this system, and it gives Texas more momentum. I mean, Cam Scott ranked 34 in the country. Uh, Nick Cody ranked 45th in the country. That's two top 50 guys. That's where you want to be in college basketball recruiting, and now we'll see what Trey Johnson does. Uh, I think he's going to sign in the early period um, because he can make NIL money in the state of Missouri playing at Link Academy. Uh, if he signs here in the early period, uh, based on that new legislation. Uh, so we'll see Texas or Baylor for, uh, Trey Johnson. I think Texas has a shot. Hey, Hey guys, I want to say this real quick. I, 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 I'm trying to, I want to say this on behalf of Jerry. I, I sat down with Jerry for about 15, 20 minutes yesterday to talk, not only Nick Cody's commitment, but basketball as a whole. If you're a ba- Texas basketball fan, I would encourage you guys to go watch that video because I actually I learned some stuff from Jerry in that video about the the basketball team this year. It's on the on Texas Football Channel on the Nick Cody commitment. Uh, Jerry talked about a number of subjects, so I, I just want to put that out there because I thought Jerry was terrific in it. Hey Jerry, one more basketball question, and then we'll wrap up with some football here. Uh, Ashton Holloman says, do you think this basketball team will be better than last year's? I I can't say that until we see the bigs get healthy in how this thing comes together. Last year had great – they had enough experience playing together. Then you added Jabari Rice, who I often compared Roshan Johnson to Jabari Rice, and Jabari Rice to Roshan Johnson last year. But they brought in a guy that was an amazing leader without being a starter, um, and that is so hard to find in college sports. Um, so I, this team has more future talent on it I mean, Devin Pryor's a freshman who's not there now uh, because he didn't come in in the summer, although I don't think they're going to redshirt him. I don't think they're going to play him because he's ahead of schedule and he's 6'7". And he's got NBA upside. Dylan Mitchell has NBA upside. So this team has more pro talent on it. That doesn't mean they're going to be a better team. This team will shoot the three. Their off games are going to be 30 32% from three. Not that they won't have one clunker game. It happens to everybody. But their good games are going to be 40-plus, and there's going to be a number of them. So this team can really shoot it. It should be the best free-throw shooting team Texas ever had. That matters when you're looking at how you're going to score 75 points against a quality opponent. Transit Rebound, rim protection to create transition offense. Texas wants to play really fast. If Caden Shedder can give them that rim protection they need, a limit second-chance scoring opportunities for opponents where they can get out and run the wings with their shooters, I think this team has a chance to be really, really good uh, this year. I think it's. I think it can be a second weekend team. I can't say they're going to be better at this point. I just haven't seen enough. I watched them work out this summer enough to know they have a chance, but they got to get D. Sue back healthy. Shedrick's got to stay healthy because if they do, then they're a more versatile team on the interior. They have better rim protection. They have better rebounding. And if you can rebound a little better, your transition offense can uh, be a difference maker for you. Okay, well, let's switch back to football here. And, hey, Jerry, real quick, got to credit Todd Lacey for this. But he said that U.S. Trinity lost to L.D. Bell for the first time in 27 years last night. I don't know if you saw that. Ooh, I did not see that. Wow. <laughs> wow. That 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 is an amazing stat. That's that crazy. is an amazing stat. <laughs> All right, guys, well, let's wrap it up with some football questions here. Um, and Bobby Vitronic says, do you want an 80% Burke or an 100% Finkley Tap Bledsoe? Seems easy to me, but I know coaches love their safety blankets. It's a great question. <laughs> he comes up with good ones, Jerry. 
Yeah. He really does. <laughs> um, you look, I I think a, a, a limited snaps for Burke, I think, is, is a good thing. Um, I think Finkley against the run has a place in this game that's important this week. I, mean, I just think he gets swallowed too easily by bigger guys. The, the, the big – so let me clear. Uh, the um, Kansas State has – not only do they have Cooper Beebe, who's a tremendous offensive guard, they also have KT Levington, who's a six foot six, 300-plus offensive tackle. That is a bad matchup for Justice Finkley, a yeah. really bad one, uh, because he doesn't have arm length to get around him, and he's going to get consumed. Uh, I think that in that category, you'd rather play tap and Bledsoe and use – their quickness, and they are considerably quicker than Justice Finkley. Uh, so that that would be my only category. Uh, Ethan Burke as well. So Finkley is more of a power guy, Jerry, right? Um, yeah. And I, I'm not sure that's going to work against a guy that's 6'6", uh, 325. I, I think the tough thing for Texas in, in, in that is, you know, you, you know Finkley's going to, He's gonna run the play defensively. Uh, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, not, no, you're right. He's not gonna run himself out of. So Texas staff has an interesting decision to make in that regard um, because assignment. I think assignment football on the edges is gonna be huge Saturday. Because I really think Kansas State is gonna attack it and stress it in multiple ways with multiple uh, running backs and quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to use this question to transition into the last talking point for the day. Fresh 6473 says, do you guys think that this is a game that Texas scores under 30 points and still wins the game? And with that, we'll do score predictions. I I, I picked Texas. I'll go ahead and do this score prediction. I picked Texas to win 24-23. So that's exactly what I think uh, is, is about, um, you know, worried about Malik Murphy's performance, worried about Ethan Burke and not being available, um, you know, that sort of stuff. But uh, I, there's something about this. I mean, Sark's been preparing for this three-high safety look for a long time, and now he's got to roll it out. Let's see what he can do. Jerry? I actually went, I actually went 34-27 Texas in this game. I, I just think a lot of times we think these games are going to be lower scoring. They end up having a, they end up being a little more scoring than we think. Whether it's a special teams, a block punt, or something in the return game, a pick six on both sides, maybe. I mean, something crazy that happens. I, I think these teams are going to answer the bell. I like Texas thirty four twenty seven, and that means Malik Murphy will have played a pretty clean game for me. And I think Sark's got to put him in that position. And I got Texas thirty. The 20, and I saw this comment earlier from Tyler wow. Hastings. I think the game is on the leg of Auburn. I'm going to agree with him. I, I think Texas is going to kick some field goals instead of going for it on fourth down, which should make Texas fans happy. Uh, so I, I have them winning 30 to 20. We'll see what happens. If they if they walk out of DKR with a two score win with their backup quarterback, TCU is going to get Texas is going to be Texas is going to be in the Big 12 championship game. That's the case. That's that's what, coming, that's what it's coming down to, guys. I mean, we can say it until we're blue in the face, but this is this is for what Texas started the season for right now. Definitely. Well, Bobby, we we know you're going to be live at the co-op later today. Tell folks about that and what they can expect later today on on Texas football. Yeah, absolutely. Me and Rod are going to be at the at the the co-op today at three o'clock. We'll be doing that. 
Uh, Jerry and Rod uh, have uh, the QB room today at noon. Uh, they're going out. Then Justin and Joe have questions answered. Uh, but uh, guys, uh, it is a beautiful weekend right now in Austin, Texas. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, if you get a chance to go to the game, make sure you're loud. Uh, Longhorn fans, uh, this, is a, this is something you can have an effect on. I know it's an 11 a.m. start. I hope the, the students get there early, get ready to go for big noon kickoff on Fox. But uh, big game, big weekend ahead for the Longhorns. Okay, guys. And then, of course, y'all have over on InsideTexas.com. Jerry, I know you've already started the, uh, the weekend thread there. And y'all yep. have wall-to-wall coverage all weekend. Yeah, I got wall-to-wall coverage all weekend. We got a weekend live thread that people have a lot of fun on. Uh, I'm going to have a little recruiting story. We have recruiting scoop up later. So a lot going on around the game and recruiting. Uh, shoot, we may even have some more basketball stuff, to, recruiting stuff today as well. Uh, basketball season opener Monday. So a lot going on. Um, a lot going on in Longhorn land. And uh, best of luck to everybody Saturday. And then don't forget, if you're not a member of Inside Texas, you can become one easily. A dollar for two months. You got to select the monthly offer. Use promo code OTFIT23, and that will get you in new members only on that. So, well, guys, it's time for us to get out of here. And Bobby, as you said, you'll be back at 3 o'clock uh, over at the co-op with Rod. So be sure to tune in for that. And uh, for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you on Monday morning. Hook them, guys. Let's go.